Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hey there, welcome to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Today, I wanted to start the show by saying how grateful I am for every single one of you guys that are tuning in to this show and listening to this podcast. This show grew tremendously in past few months and I have you guys to thank for that. Thank you so much for sharing it in your social media, also writing thoughtful reviews. I just wanted to say two shout outs to Linda and Dakin Biz that they wrote us reviews on iTunes. Thank you so much. The more reviews we get in iTunes, it helps us to rank higher and it will help this show to reach a broader audience. So thank you so much for that. Today, we're going to have a follow-up conversation on age play. So a few episodes ago, we had Dr. Rhoda Lipscomb in our show, and she talked about ABDL community, age play, and I got an email from one of you guys that uh, you were curious about how to incorporate it with your lover. And you were one of the listeners that were interested, but they were curious. They didn't know where to start. That's why we invited Dr. Lipscomb back on the show. Dr. Lipscomb going to talk about, first of all, what are some of the reasons that people are interested in these acts? We're going to talk about what would be a good starting beginner things that you can do if you're kind of curious if this is a thing for you. And also, if you are interested to find a lover who's into that, where you can go. Dr. Rhoda Lipscomb has been counseling individuals and couples in the areas of human sexuality for over 25 years. She receives her PhD in clinical sexology from the American Academy of Clinical Sexologists in Orlando, Florida. She is an ASAC certified sex therapist in private practice, specializing in the alternative sexuality communities, such as open relationships, ABDL, GLBT, BDSM, kink and fetishes. She wrote her doctoral dissertation on the mental health experience of ABDL individuals, specializes in counseling and coaching for this community and speaks on the subject to help promote better understanding for individuals and their families. Her recent book, No More Hiding, Permission to Love Your Sexual Self, is a guide for those seeking help with alternative sexualities such as BDSM, kink, fetishes, and open relationships. I'll leave a link to the show notes to the previous episode and her website. Without further ado, here's my interview with Dr. Rhoda Lipscomb. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Sexology Podcast. We are very excited to have Dr. Rhoda Lipscomb back on our show by popular demand. Dr. Rhoda, welcome to our show. Thank you. I'm so happy to be back. We are very excited to have you. So we had this episode a few months ago, then we talked about age play and different definition and what falls within that range. And I got a few emails that people were very interested on the topic and they also wanted to know how they can incorporate it. They, they wanted more information. So I reached back out to Dr. Rhoda since this is her specialty. So we're very excited to have you back. Let's start with kind of giving a 
brief review of what is age play and let's talk about what are some of the reasons that people find themselves attracted to these things. Well, you know, age play is a large umbrella term. So age play can mean many things. It can be many different things to different people. Age play can be that sort of enjoying playing a role that's younger or different than your chronological age and having your partner often play, um, particularly if when people like to play the younger role, they like to play a young child or a teenager or preteen. Um, they like their partner to kind of play the parental uh, role, the mommy, the daddy role, babysitter role, things like that. Now, some people m- may enjoy doing age play with their partner and they both enjoy the age play part. And so they may, um, instead of one of them being the older person, they may have sort of more of like a sibling or a friend relationship going on in their age play. So it can mean many different things. For some, it's part of the larger adult baby um, diaper lover, uh, what's called ABDL community, which can be more involved and, and involves a lot more things. But age play can isn't necessarily part of the ABDL community, though it, though it often can be. So it, it can be confusing when people say they're into age play that I often tell people you need to make sure you really clarify what that means to the person because sometimes it can be very sexualized play and other times it can be not sexualized at all. Um, so it, it runs the gamut. Fascinating. And as as we were talking about it, and I know we mentioned it in the previous episode that I just want to emphasize, these are adults playing these roles. These are consenting yes, adults. So. They're all consenting adults. Uh, there's no one is actually underage. Um, <laughs> I know. know it appears very straightforward, but just it's important to highlight that. It is. Yes. And if you guys want to understand like more about this specific topic and ABDL community, definitely check out our interview with Dr. Uh, Rhoda. I'll put it on the show notes. But I wanted to kind of move into how we can incorporate it in the relationship. As as many of you might think, I would imagine it's not uh, one of the things that's kind of portrayed as a common act. So like anything else, that's when it's, might be experience, like, you know, when you're introducing something that might be uncommon, our partner might feel a little bit uncomfortable. So I know with, you work with lots of couples and individuals in this community. So what are some of the areas of discomfort that you notice that one's lover might experience if his or her partner want to introduce age play into their relationship? Well, I, I think one of the biggest problems that people run into is that because it can be such a unique and often taboo subject and so very misunderstood that a lot of people are hesitant to bring it up. They don't know how to talk about it. There's a great deal of embarrassment and shame that goes with it. And so when someone is attempting to talk with a partner about it, often it doesn't come out very well because there's so much shame and embarrassment that they're trying to get past first. I was I was recently reading another book on emotional intelligence, and I was talking about how it can be so difficult for people to deal with their emotions because when things come through the brain, they have to go through the part of the brain that deals with emotions first 
before those messages get to the part of the brain that deal with logic and reason. So we feel our emotions first before we ever start to think about emotion and, and or logic and reason. And so people can easily get stuck in that part. Um, and it makes it difficult them to get to the rational, reasonable part of their brain. And then when they're stuck in the emotion part, they can get very overwhelmed by it. At which point, you know, so if, if someone's partner is trying to bring this up, it's really important that they be very kind and gentle, understanding, really allowing the person to kind of explore what they're feeling. Because sometimes people don't even really... They haven't been able to talk to anyone about it, so they haven't, they don't have it nice in a nice, neat little package that they can just deliver to their partner and say, well, this is what it is, and this is what it isn't. And it's often very jumbled and confusing to them, which makes it then even more confusing to the partner because the partner's not quite sure what they want. And then the one who wants the age play is very sensitive to fearing of, the fear of rejection. There's a huge fear of rejection. So often just getting people to talk about it easily can be a challenge. You know, it's, it's different if both people come into it wanting the same thing and they both know what it is. That, that's a whole other story. But when people are trying to explain to a partner who really doesn't know what this is, it can be a huge challenge just to get started. So I, I often talk to people about just getting themselves into a calm enough place, maybe writing down some of this when they are in their rational part of their brain uh, so that when they're trying to talk about it and they become very emotional and they're flooded with all those feelings of embarrassment and shame and fear, that they can talk about it more clearly because they've got something written down so that it makes sense to what they're trying to tell their partner. I think such an important point that you mentioned that at at times, because people are feeling shameful and uncomfortable about verbalizing this desire, it doesn't come out uh, really well. And I I see it all the time with different sexual preferences that people already kind of have, have this in their mind that, you know, my partner will reject me. So they choose the worst possible time to bring it up and it's not necessarily clear. So of course the partner, as you said, if this is something that they're not even familiar with, they might get confused and they might even get shocked. And I think it's so important for for the person, as you mentioned, to kind of work through what I really want, what does it mean for me and how am I going to present it to my partner? Right. And I always tell people, don't try and present this when you're in the midst of a sexual scenario. Like, don't try and talk about this in bed. Don't try and talk about when you're starting to try to have some sort of sexual interaction. You know, talk about it over breakfast, talk about it over lunch, talk about it when you're both dressed, you're feeling less vulnerable, and you can be a little bit clearer about it rather than trying to do it in the moment. Um, I've, I've had people who've told me that they tried to talk to their partner about it by suddenly jumping out in a diaper and startling their partner who had no idea what person wanted, what this was all about. And obviously, that didn't go well. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. But it's what we do when we're young, and we don't know how to talk about these things. And so it, it is very important to have a safe space to talk about it ahead of time. 
Absolutely. And you know, our erotic templates, I always talk about how it's like a, our fingerprints. It's very different. So if a partner, if our partner is into age play, is it possible for us to learn to enjoy this, even if it's not part of one of our main turn-ons? Oh, absolutely. It's certainly possible for partners to find parts of it that they enjoy, or sometimes that they just even enjoy their partner's enjoyment. And again, it depends on how often this is coming out. You know, is this an occasional thing? And so if the partner who's not as into it can enjoy it as a as this kind of occasional different flavor that they play with. It also kind of depends on the partner themselves and how, how open they can be with their sexuality. Unfortunately, for a lot of people, sexuality has to be very rigid and done in a certain way, in which case that's probably not a partner who's going to be very open to this because they expect that sex has to be a certain way because of the way they were raised. So a partner like that is probably going to have a much harder time being flexible than someone who is much more willing to try different things and try them on. Now, some people really enjoy if if their partner likes them to be playing that more parental role. Some people can enjoy that, um, especially just from time to time. They might enjoy playing the mommy or the daddy, whether it's sexualized or not. I've talked with people at the various um, conferences that I've spoken at and a lot of times the people who are who are in those uh, mommy-daddy roles talk about how much they enjoy seeing that level of childish joy from their partner. Um, as adults, we often don't express our joy in the same way that we did as children. And it can be very, oh, what's the word I want? There's a a certain enjoyment from the parental side of you do something simple for your partner and they are so excited and they're so happy to see you that we don't express generally in our when we're in our adult mode that people when they can be in a a more kind of childish mindset are able to express and a lot of times the people who play the mommy-daddy roles really enjoy that sense of excitement and love that they get from their partner when they're in that child, child mindset. So there, right. there are a lot of things that people can get from it. And I think, as you said, it's coming from like maybe if kind of place of open-mindedness and people are kind of experimenting about if this is something, it's a maybe for me. I know that we all have our hard line that there's things that are absolutely no, but there are right. things that might be a maybe. Right. And and sometimes you you don't know what you're willing to be comfortable with until you try it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we're much more willing to give things to the person that we love and adore rather than if it was not that level of a relationship. A more casual relationship, you might not be willing to engage in something like age play, where it's the person who you've made a larger commitment to, you have a a larger emotional relationship with, you you may be willing to give a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. And if we have a partner 
that is willing to kind of give it a go and wanted to learn how to get started or eroticize age play when it's not their main kink, what are some of the starting points that you recommend them to explore? And again, that can be difficult because it depends on what age play means to them and what they enjoy and want. But I would say start kind of something small. You know, if if the person really enjoys um, having the other person take on that parental role in those in those scenes, you know, maybe it's being the kind of it might be more the nurturing of the kind of holding, rocking, soothing kind of play watching a movie that's maybe more of a child's movie, like a Disney movie, um, and laying their head on the other one's lap, getting, you know, having their hair stroked, you know, very simple kind of nurturing behaviors. If they're wanting to sexualize it more, it might be things like, you know, simple things to do would be things like spanking, Mm -hmm. that a lot of couples really enjoy spanking. However, within an age play, it might be that they're using it kind of in this sort of playful, the, the younger role person was bad, and so now they need to be disciplined. They say they don't want it, but they kind of do want it. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? right. You know, it's, it's kind of little simple ways of playing with, playing with the roles mm-hmm. that can be easy to start incorporating and see how that feels for the people involved before maybe you get into larger areas, um, you know, if you want diapers involved or much, a lot more things like that. Or, or sometimes it can even just be using things like bondage where the one person then is giving up control to the other and letting them have control of the sexual play because they're handcuffed to the bed or whatever. Right. And I hear that you can kind of like from what you're sharing with us, that's possible that you connect it to something that you find as a turn on. So if you are into BDSM, but not necessarily age play is the main thing, maybe you can kind of incorporate that as part of the scene. Absolutely. And a a lot of times those things overlap. Um, There's a lot of people who are into age play as well as other types of kinks and BDSM. And so it, they're not necessarily these nice, clear-cut, oh, I'm only into this and not this. Oftentimes, there's overlap between these different things. So people who are into age play may also be into BDSM and other types of kinks. So they're very easy to um, incorporate the different aspects of it, which then can help the partner who maybe the age play part isn't as strong for them. but some of the other things are stronger, so it gives them something more of what they're into as well. And from what you were sharing with us earlier, I was thinking, as you mentioned, that it might be easier if you're starting small and we're starting with a, like kind of a more scenarios that you have more control over the beginning and end. Like if we're watching the movie, then we know that it ends when the movie ends. Right, yeah. And, and that you've got a way of it being kind of in this space. Um, I think one, sometimes one of the biggest fears for the person who's, who's being introduced to the age play is, you know, the where is this going to lead? Mm-hmm. Too many people, unfortunately, have seen these very sensationalized shows on different channels where you have the 
adult babies who want to do this 24-7 and want someone who will take care of them. Um, and they always want to be in the baby role, always want someone who's feeding them, take, changing their diapers. And that that's exhausting. And not a lot of people want to take on that much. You know, they may be fine with a partner who it's a smaller part of their relationship, but they're they're fearful of it becoming this thing they saw on TV and 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 that's a rare those are rare cases of people who even want it to be 24-7. And then for it to actually be able to happen is even rarer because you know if they're going to do that, I mean let's face it, you've got to have a lot of things in place. You've got to have a person who wants to take on that role. You know, even people who have biological children and go through that phase of infancy and toddler where it's a, it's very work intensive. You know, it's temporary. You know, you're going to get through this and the child's going to grow up and be more independent. So to have a partner who wants to remain in that state would be exhausting. And so very few people really are, are willing to do that. Not to mention just the financial aspect of it. You know, now if you're taking care of your partner full time as a adult baby, where's the money coming from? (laughs) That's a good point. (laughs) It's like you got to kind of got to already won the lottery or something to make that really work. (laughs) So it is a rare case where it can actually happen like that. But that's often people's fear because that's what they've seen on TV and they've heard the stories. And and I always tell people like, that's a rare thing. And and even most people, if they think they want it, very few people are actually going to want it if they got it. Because there's still too much of your adult brain there that is going to want to, is going to want to be involved with other things. You know, many of the people I've worked with who, who do identify as adult babies, you know, they still enjoy the adult side of their personality. They enjoy the other things in their lives that balance that out. And they don't want to be in that state all the time. And you're right. I think similar if I know for some people it's not sexual, but it is for a group of people. And I'm thinking, you know, I, I think sex is great, but I don't want to be in a sexual kind of role play mode all the time. Because right. <laughs> I have other aspects of my life that I like and I enjoy. And I would imagine, as you said, it's similar for, for people who are into age play as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And like it's a piece of them. It's not it's not all of them. And sometimes, particularly when it first comes out, it may come out more often because it's been so repressed for so long that they finally find someone to be able to come out with it and they do want to do it a lot. That eventually balances out to where they're going to want a more balanced type of interaction for most people. I won't say that's necessarily for everyone, but for most people, it will balance out in a relationship. And so that partner who's afraid of, oh, wow, where is this going to go? Is this going to be every day? It probably won't be in time. And I think that that's a good thing to know. As you said, like, you know, if, if a partner thinks this is going to be something that takes up all of their relationship, they're less willing possibly to kind of look into it. Oh, yes. That's, I was just going to say, yes, absolutely. They're so afraid it's going to consume it that then they don't want to do anything. Mm-hmm. And I think the other piece of thing is, it's, I can imagine there are some barriers if you want to introduce this 
to your relationship, that's not necessarily the partner, you know, the partner is into it. But I think the beauty of the internet is that you can find communities of people who are into exactly what you are. So if, if people are kind of like finding themselves attracted to this kind of play and age play, what are some of the kind of dating sites, conventions, things that they can attend to learn more about it and possibly meet people who are, have similar interests? Sure. Well, I mean, particularly the people who like who kind of see age play as kind of blending in with BDSM and other kinks. There are certainly plenty of groups on sites like FetLife where they have age play groups and then they'll advertise get togethers, lunches or meetings where people can meet and get to know each other. Like the, the major ABDL conventions, there's Capcom, which is the Chicago Age Players Convention. It was actually just last week. It's, it's in Chicago, usually at the very end of March. Um, and it's one of the largest. Uh, this year, I think they had like 11 to 1,200 people. Oh, wow. So it's very large. Another one on the east, more on the East Coast in Pennsylvania is called TeddyCon, and it's probably five to 600 people. So it's a very good size. And it's, both of those are well-established. They've been around for a while, so they're well-known. And, and they tend to sell out quickly. So I tell people if they want to go to either one of those, um, you want to try and get tickets um, well in advance because the hotels sell out, tickets sell out. Uh, they're very popular conventions, but they're also a great place to go and just see a, a lot of different people. And some people go with their partners. And so that way, then the partners can talk with other partners, uh, particularly when they're new. I always um, recommend that because they get to talk with other partners who are going through this, have been through it, can kind of talk about some of their fears or concerns with other people who really understand because they've been there. And there's a new one starting on the West Coast. Um, it's called the West Coast Jungle Gym. And their conf convention, I think, is in September, if I remember correctly. But you could look up the West Coast Jungle Gym and they would give the dates. Um, but even around the country, if you don't feel like you can travel to any of the larger conventions, there's usually you can find events either through places like Meetup, FetLife, there is a site called Daily Diapers, which is really much more ABDL oriented than for the people who are into the other kinds of age play. That's not quite that part of the community, but it does have a lot of resources, so it can be very good for people who are interested in that. Um, I'm sure there's probably many more that I don't know about, <laughs> but that, that would certainly be a good start for people. Thank you for sharing those information because I think if I was into it like, and I wanted to check it out and in a kind of anonymous way of how would that look like, what is it like for people to leave this lifestyle, I would want to go to a convention, especially the big one, so I can kind of observe how, how is it to be in this community. Right. Yeah. And, and I often urge people to go to the big conventions because I think you just learn so much and you, you get to see, you know, you may only meet a few people who you really connect with, but that is a huge success. If you can, if you can even meet a few people out of a thousand that you connect with and can feel or have a similar interest to yours, that people can get a lot out of that. 
Mm-hmm. And I think it'd be kind of validating for the partners to see that, you know, we're not this quote unquote, we're a couple experimenting this. There are <laughs> people out there that they're loving it and they're celebrating it. Absolutely. Um, and being able to see that, being able to see other people who, because particularly the conventions, it's, it's, it's such a safe space that's been created where people can just kind of let their hair down, so to speak. And just the, the looks on people's faces, that sense of excitement and just being able to be themselves. I, I always so enjoy going to them. And, you know, and even though it's not my thing, I just, I love watching the people who they can just be themselves and they they have this space to do it. And just the looks on people's faces is priceless. It's right. absolutely and priceless. Yes. yes, and it can be very freeing to see people are living their true self and kind of like embracing that part of their desire that they feel it's, it resonates with them. It does, yes. So we're toward the end of our time. And I wanted to make sure that our listeners know where to get a hold of you and the website and the content that you have. Sure. Um, my website is www.drroda, that's R-H-O-D-A.com. And through there, um, you can always find my email address, uh, which is rhoda at drrhoda.com. And I'm, you know, I, I'm happy to talk with people. I get emails and phone calls from people from all over the country. And, and I do some coaching with people in various parts of the co- country, especially when they feel like they live in places where they're not sure there's a therapist or a coach anywhere around who's going to understand these unique issues. So that's all. I'm always happy to do that. Um, and I also have worked sometimes with people's therapists to help them if they have a therapist they like, but doesn't quite get it to sometimes talk with their therapist and, and kind of explain it like therapist to therapist type of way so that they get a better idea of how to wrap their heads around it. So I'm always happy to do that too. Excellent. So guys, if you, you're driving, if you're not, you, don't, uh, you didn't get a chance <laughs> to write it, I leave the information on the show notes. So you can go ahead to the show notes when you have time and you can check it out. And I highly encourage you guys to, if this is something that you're interested, uh, to contact Dr. Rhoda. Thank you so much for your time. It was lovely to connect you. with you. Okay. Yes. Have a great day. Thank you. You too. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Dr. Lipscomb. I love that she gave us tip on how to talk about what you want, because sometimes as, as we talked about it, even saying what you want and clarifying it can be challenging if we find that our interests are kind of falls into alternative sexual behaviors. So anyhow, I just want to remind you guys that um, next week, I'm releasing another bonus episode on OCD and sexuality. So stay tuned for that. And also, if you know a topic that you're interested in, shoot me an email. I would love to hear your thoughts and feedback. My email is drmaali at sexology.com. I'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexology.com sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.